You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. <laughs> buns, buns, buns. Hey, Joe's Nation. Steven here, and welcome to episode 15 of Sustainable Joe's 2084. The best place for business and sustainability talk out there. On today's episode, we have an incredible guest who is also a dear friend of mine. We recorded this episode three weeks ago, and I'm so excited, like legitimately so excited to share it with you today. Um, Today's guest is a gentleman named Mark Shabbat, and he is a wealth manager with RBC. Uh, Mark runs 215, or excuse me, Mark is a wealth manager with RBC with $250 million under management. And in an effort to talk about SRI, socially responsible investing in ESG funds, Mark screened our documentary to his clientele a few weeks back and his SRI and ESG presentation was so engaging that I asked him to record a podcast in an effort to bring more value your direction and empower you to ask better questions when it comes to how you invest. Not only does Mark bring decades of financial experience to our conversation, but he is also, just to let you know who he is, he's a super dad. He has two little boys, uh, Sammy and Ryan. He's a committed community volunteer and one heck of a Montreal Canadiens hockey fan. Uh, And that is in fact where we start our conversation today. And we finish the conversation with Mark predicting who will win the next Stanley Cup between the Canadians and the Leafs. Uh, Stay tuned for that because for all of you Leafs fans out there, spoiler alert. As always, we will play a song from Wolf Saga in full at the end of the episode as Johnny lets us use his music in the podcast for free. So stay tuned for that. And thank you, Johnny. Lastly, I want to give a special shout out to our newest patron, Sylvie. Uh, Know that your support really is what makes this project happen. So thank you so much, Sylvie, and welcome to Joe's Nation. Uh, Now it's time for today's episode, my conversation with Mr. Mark Shabbat. I hope you enjoy. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow creating a sustainable future for all told by the people building it today to let you know i already hit record oh okay yeah yeah. see why well, you have to you have to ease in naturally i get it and okay. what's more what's more natural for you than talking about montreal canadians not much not much kids of montreal canadians are probably the two best topics Let, let's start right there tell everybody what you do and, and a little bit about your life. Fair enough. Um, you know what? The, the license plate is three hab boys. So that kind of tells you everything uh, about some of my passions. For people who don't know, what, what are the Habs? Habs are the Montreal Canadiens. I'm originally from Montreal, so even though I live near here, near Toronto now uh, in Burlington, still love uh, my home squad. So, um, Where did the name Habs come from? Interesting. It was actually French for Les Habitants. Uh, and that's how they refer to them in the French newspapers, which uh, loosely translated would be the locals. And the English papers just picked up on that and just started calling them the Habs. A lot of people mistakenly think that the H and the CH on the crest is for Habs. It's not. It's Club de Hockey Canadien. So um, it's anyway, there's a little piece of hockey trivia for you. Yeah, for, for those of you who play, play trivia nights. 
the more you know. Mark Shabbat, can you tell everybody what exactly it is that you do? Yeah, I mean, apart from being a dad, um, I... Uh, a super dad. A super dad, thank you. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a wealth advisor with uh, RBC Dominion Securities. Uh, I was pre- previously with TD Bank, so I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. Um, and wealth advisor... Really what that is, because I get the question, well, what do you actually do? I was is, just about to ask it. What yeah. does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. It used to be all about being a stockbroker, so security selection. But I mean, over the last 10 or 15 years, the job has morphed into so much more than that. You're doing wealth management. You're you're really, I would say probably the, the biggest piece of my job now is tax and estate planning. Um, so if you do have a significant amount of wealth, Obviously, you're you're trying to keep it, give as much of it as possible to the rest of your family, to your heirs, or whoever's important to you, and that's that's one of our big jobs around here. So, well, and when you talk about taking care of wealth, wealth comes in many forms. I remember the the first event that I ever saw you at. You you said that you know your wealth management approach has has four guiding principles, and obviously they. Can you kind of walk people through what that approach is so that they get a, a perspective of who you are? Because when I say you're super dad, I, I know you. You sit for the local United Way. You coach your kids' hockey team. You're active in your community. What does wealth management look like and what do the four pillars of Shabbat Wealth Management look like? You know what, rather than going through the four pillars, I think what I'll do is I'll just kind of say, when we go through the process with clients and we do financial planning or retirement planning, and we, we talk to them about, you know, what what is your money supposed to do for you and uh, and your family? And the interesting conversation that we get into, which really brings me to the reason why I got into all this other stuff, um, your project, philanthropy, um, is because you get to the point where you say, okay, guess what? You're going to be okay. And that's really what clients want to hear from me is that, you know what? You're going to be okay. You're not going to outlive your money. You're not going to be eating cat food or craft dinner at some point, right? <laughs> that's the main thing that they're looking for. So after that, it becomes, okay, well, if we're managing this wealth and there's more than what we need, then we're really managing it for the next generation or for other goals. So the next question becomes, well, how rich do you want to make your kids? And that's an interesting conversation to have because that's when you start getting into the whole concept of, you know, what's really important. Is it family? Is it charity? Um, is it the environment? Like, so what are things that other things that are important to you other than just having this pile of cash? And that's where my portion of the business has really morphed over probably the last five to seven years, where it used to be very focused on dollars and returns and, and, you know, uh, portfolio percentages and that kind of stuff. And now we're really focused on the other stuff as well, as far as, okay, well, if we've got enough and we figure your kids are going to have enough, then what do we do with the rest? And that's why we're extremely involved now with, you know, United Way, Canadian Cancer Society, um, and really RBC has an amazing program called the Charitable Gift Foundation that we can uh, help clients uh, with some tax planning now and obviously do a lot of good over the long term. And I can get into that. That's maybe an entirely different podcast. But it also lends that conversation about what's important to you. What are the other things that mean something? And, and you talked about when you first got into finance mm-hmm. or into wealth management. It was all about picking stocks, maximizing that return. We'll get into 
okay, what have you seen the, the, the progression look like throughout the course of your career? But to give people a little bit of scope, what are you currently managing? How many assets? I manage about uh, $250 million uh, of clients' money. That's about 250 families. So my average uh, household size would be about a million dollars. Many of those clients I've had for 15 plus years. So um, they've just grown with me organically uh, over the years, which is really nice. What have you seen transition in the industry when we talk about responsible investing? I mean, obviously I'm here today to talk about SRI and ESG. Um, when we talk about socially responsible investing, kind of has, has there been much traction or much transition? There is a transition happening. Uh, there was a survey that came out uh, from McKenzie Investments just a couple weeks ago uh, that said that 71% of the clients that they surveyed wanted more value-based strategies in their portfolio over the next five years. So what does that mean? That means that they are uh, looking to invest more with companies that are in line with their values as opposed to just their wallets. Just to give you a little bit of history about, let's say, SRI, and when we say SRI, that stands for Socially Responsible Investing. Mm -hmm. um, so SRI has been around for a very, very long time. It, uh, it originally took the form of, you know, quote unquote, ethical funds is what they used to call it 20, 25 years ago. Um, it wasn't very popular. The fees on it were extremely high. Uh, and because it rules out a lot of subsets uh, or, or sectors that it can invest in, sometimes the rates of return weren't quite there either. And so high fees plus lower returns equals very unsatisfied customers. So the few clients who were investing with a conscious, let's say 20 or 25 years ago, moved away from it because it just didn't make any sense for their long-term portfolio goals. Now we're in a very different time when there's a movement kind of worldwide. And so all of a sudden there's a demand again for these types of products. And, and how I know is, is a lot of the different investment companies here, RBC, McKinsey, um, they're all coming out with these SRI focused funds now, which means the demand, they wouldn't create it if the, the, the demand wasn't there. So let's talk demand. Yeah. What have you seen? What, what have your clients? You and I, we, we did a screening of your movie just last week, uh, and we had over 100 clients out to, to see that. Brought we also the, had a fantastic Q&A after. Uh, I, th I think we did, yeah, and we're trying great. to do something kind of similar now. But th the idea behind it was, was I really wanted to promote awareness not only of your movie, but be able to talk about this stuff. Because clients aren't aware, there's, there's two major kind of categories out there now. SRI is one of them, and, and it's coming to the forefront. And I think it, it, it obviously needs to keep moving forward, and people need to understand it. But a lot of people don't even realize that currently, depending on their investment, investment portfolio manager, they probably already have ESG screens in their portfolio. And when you say a screen? Okay, so screen is looking through stocks and basically figuring out uh, through a filter which stocks would fit for a particular portfolio. Gotcha. So okay. like a screen, a filter, a lens. Correct. And most of the time, those uh, parameters that they would put around those screens all had to do with profitability. Okay. Right? Debt to equity, um, you know, cash flow, things like that. You know, your, your price-oriented profitability. Exactly. Um, but now there's been a movement over, over the last five years, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Definitely longer than that in Europe, but in North America anyway, over the last five years, to move to these ESG screens. And what that is is environmental and social governance. Okay. 
So what they're doing now is they're not ruling out entire sectors of the economy. What they're looking for is they're looking for companies perhaps in that sector that might have a uh, very good underlying set of fundamentals when it comes to governance um, or just even social consciousness. Probably the, the best example of this uh, would be Suncor here in Canada. SRI-wise, so socially responsible investing, would dictate they probably do not invest in energy as a subsector at all unless it's renewable because it's a fossil fuel. Whereas ESG works a little bit differently. They probably rule out a lot of the energy sector, but they may take a look at a couple of companies based on how they operate their business. In the case of Suncor, a lot of people don't realize they sunk about $2 billion into R&D last year into uh, alternative energy. Fair. It would make sense that an energy company would want to maintain control over energy. Exactly. And, and it's it in their best interest, too. Hey, Joe's Nation. I want to take a minute to acknowledge a couple of our supporters, so please listen up. This episode of Sustainable Joe's 2084 is brought to you in part thanks to the support of Buns and Steam Whistle. Buns hosts our podcast for free and Steam Whistle gives us their delicious premium pilsner to sip on as we converse. So let's get to the technical copy. For those who don't know, Buns is an app for decluttering your life and finding stuff you love. Recently, Eli traded a bike light he no longer needed for three apples on Buns, quite literally a sweet trade. In the past, I also traded a six-pack for two tickets to the Green Living Show, a friend of mine, Katie, traded a bath bomb for a bag the other day. Anyways, you too can try trading by visiting buns.com or get the app on your phone. At the end of the day, buns for trading. A big thank you also goes to Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner, from their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown beer bottle. Quote unquote, Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. Lastly, our podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of our monthly patrons. If you believe this content is important and have the capacity to contribute, you can find all necessary links at sustainablejoes.com. That's Joes with an S because whether you are a Joseph or Joanne, together we are a group of Joes. Now back to the show. There's something now that they've created. It's a coalition. It's called the Principles of Responsible Investing. And companies have signed up for this. In what sector? Any, anybody who might be an institutional type manager. When I say institutional, I mean um, you know, mutual fund companies, pension companies, anybody who would, who would manage large pools of money for other people. Gotcha. Okay. Many of these different companies uh, have signed this petition. And it is essentially that what they're going to try and do is they're going to use ESG screens in their investing. And they're going to actively try and reduce the carbon footprint of their portfolio on a year over year basis. Now, there's 10 trillion in assets kind of worldwide, and 1.2 trillion of that is here in Canada. So we are a market leader with that. We're, we're worth about 3% of the world economy, yet 10% of you know this initiative is, is sitting in Canada right now, which is pretty impressive. Absolutely. Um, and you've got some major, major players like RBC, TD being another one, um, that are part of, of this list of PRIs. I think what, you know, what people don't understand is, is they might be investing with RBC, but they don't actually know that RBC is performing these ESG screens for them. So in other words, they do have, you know, some form of this uh, conscious behind their 
uh, investments, but they don't even know it's there. And so that, that again comes back to the people in my job and making them aware of this stuff, that this stuff is out there now. ESG screens have also proved to be effective, maybe more effective than SRI screens. And the fact that ESG companies tend to not run into as bad a headline as as your normal company uh, because they have better social governance for instance they don't tend to have some really ugly press that comes yeah. comes around them and that tends to often lead to a more stable stock price and better returns over the long run so a less volatile portfolio that returns decently is in clients best interest so these ESG screens can actually and have been proven over the last uh, five to ten years to actually show better returns as well so when you make an investment for a client do you have carte blanche typically we can invest in anything from kind of guaranteed investments to penny stocks in peru wow yeah okay so have you been working to transition your clientele into some of those funds if, if it meets kind of what the, what their needs are and how do you communicate that so so great question so what i try to do is i try to partner with companies that have that as as part of their fundamentals their ethos, right. yeah. Exactly. Here in Burlington, we have 29 different businesses sitting on these two floors that, that you're in right now. So everybody's going to operate differently. We're in a high rise, everybody. <laughs> this is this is just how I operate my, my business. And, you know, that I want to be able to sit down with clients and say, this is something that I actually care about. And that when I'm looking at investing your money, I want to look at the underlying you know, investment manager or, or the company that we're investing in and say, you know what, they have values that would probably be in line with, with yours. And eventually, you know what it all comes back to for me and also hopefully for my clients is they're going to have to look their kids in the eyes at some point or their grandchildren. And they're gonna, when they ask them the question, well, what did you do? Right? What did you do? I mean, you somebody brought it up really well in your movie, and I think that that's it. Might have been the Minister of Environment here in Ontario. I think it was. Yeah. Was it Glenn? Glenn, yeah. Minister Murray. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think he brought that, and that's one of the best points. Is if I got to stand in front of my kids at some point and say I didn't do anything, I didn't try and create awareness, I didn't invest properly uh, for for myself, for your future, or my clients, you know, I haven't done my part. And so I guess it all comes down to you're not going to have everybody that's going to subscribe to this. But I believe... And that's okay right now, too. It's okay right now. But I believe, honestly, in my heart of hearts, that you are at the leading edge of this. And, you know, case in point, can, can I just quickly use the example of my parents? Is, sure. Is that okay? So my parents were at the... Uh, at the screening at the we screening. had last week. Yeah. And, and um, By the way, everybody, the reason we're recording this today, not only is Mark a, a wealth of knowledge, but he gave a 10 to 15 minute presentation on SRI and ESG funds. And they were just, it was so powerful. Everybody was like locked in and, and, and saw the benefit for themselves. And two of the guests that were in the audience were Mark's Happy parents. to be my folks. So I had them living with me for almost five months this summer because their new condo wasn't quite built yet. So all summer I was riding my mom and dad because my dad would go and if he'd go shopping for groceries, he'd come back with all these plastic bags. Yep. And, you know, I always carry around, you know, the reusable ones in, in my trunk. And when I go shopping, that's, that's what I use. Um, and I was riding them all summer. My mom is guilty of using plastic uh, water bottles because she loves the sparkly drinks. Okay. And I have a soda stream at my house, so I can make my own from tap water, um, as opposed to going and buying at the store and creating all this 
additional ways because I, I like it too. And all summer I was like, you know, on her, why are you buying this stuff? The soda stream is in the corner um, and I showed her how to use it, but it still wasn't happening. Here's the amazing part about your film. <laughs> My parents afterwards came to me and said, we understand now. <laughs> we understand why you've been writing us all summer about the plastic bags and about all the uh, the, the soda the uh, soda bottles. And you know, it's it's all when you hear those types of stories, it, it's pretty powerful, and it, and it and it warms the heart. Now the the question is, how do we provide that context, and how do we take that next step? Um, I want to take a step back. You had mentioned earlier, you know, the comment Minister Murray made in the documentary that one day you're going to have to face your kids and your grandkids and they're going to ask you, what did you do? The title of the, the podcast is Sustainable Joe's 2084. Like, what future do we want to build? When you think of the world in the year 2084, when you think of Ryan and Sammy's future, what's it look like? I'd like to be hopeful as you mentioned in, in the video. And the reason being is, is I look at the amount of awareness and the amount of people that are willing to kind of bring this forward and uh, the consciousness of people to try and make a change is growing and it's growing all the time. Uh, as I mentioned, if you take a look at the, the growth in ESG and SRI funds, it's doubled in five years. So the movement is happening. Whether you agree with things like an inconvenient truth. To me, that doesn't really matter. The, the, the underlying message is, is it's bringing stuff in front of people. They're having to confront it. They're having to look at it, which I think is, I think in the long run is a good thing. If you look back 10, 15, 20 years, that wasn't happening. It's happening now. I know what I'm teaching my children. I'm my eight-year-old, well, last year, seven, he was seven. He comes home with a project on water conservation. And he's throwing out st statistics that... He's teaching me stuff and he's seven. And I know for sure that if I look back 30 years ago when I was his age, I wasn't learning this stuff. So there is a change that's happening. And so by educating our youngest people, I think that when I look out 30, 40, 50 years from now, I think this world will be a better place, but it's got to start somewhere. We've got a lot of people on the earth right now, so we can't just wait for it to be the children that come forth and save the world. You know, we've got to make changes today. Well, you can certainly see it in the numbers. Like for sure. 1.2 trillion is no laughing matter. 10 trillion in, in a consortium of, of signatures is no laughing matter. Like that is, that's proven traction. Let's get a little more granular for a second. Okay. What advice would you give other wealth managers who want to move or want to support uh, their clientele gaining traction in, in SRI-screened funds or ESG funds? Talk about it. That is the, the biggest thing. Is How do you open the conversation, though? Because sometimes people are like, well, is this going to make me money? Well, I think the first question is, is does it matter to you where, you're in, where your investments or how your investments make money? Um, does it matter to you if uh, it's in tobacco or gambling or alcohol or pornography or nuclear, uh, you know, nuclear power? Certain people would go, well, yeah, actually, I wouldn't really want anything like that in my, my portfolio if we can avoid it. But the, the point is, is that folks like myself need to have that conversation and ask the questions. You know, do you have any values as we're investing in this portfolio that you want us to respect? When I look at having um, the time that we had last Monday was and me being able to talk about SRI and ESG 
It was a 15-minute talk, as you mentioned. It wasn't something that I needed to have an entire 90-minute seminar on. It was more of an awareness piece. And that's why when I saw your, your movie for the first time, I said, this is just a perfect coupling where you know we can talk about sustainability and we can talk about socially responsible investing you know, all in one, one package. They lend to one another perfectly. Yeah, how can you support the transition to a sustainable future via your portfolio? Exactly. How do you, how do you have your portfolio reflect your, your, your beliefs. And that's exactly it. And you know what? I might even use that line. <laughs> when you talk about, you know, how do you make a change or what would you say to a wealth manager? That's, that's exactly the question that you have to ask your client is what are your values? What do you hold important? What are your beliefs? And, and how much money do you want to make? Exactly. And then find that, that crossroads. There's a happy medium. There really is. Uh, I truly believe that. Again, it's one of those, you know, you can't strap a U-Haul to the back of a hearse. You can't take it with you. So how big do you want the pile to be? If we figure out that, you know, you need X amount of money and we can make that return with a more values-based strategy, then why wouldn't we do that? And that's really what it comes down to. I think we should just leave it there because that is the the perfect way to end it because it, it's so true why why wouldn't somebody do that mark shabbat thank you so much my friend thank you for everything you do that's it that 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 is uh that's wow. a wrap as they say <laughs> that's a wrap or, or a slap shot what, what what do they always say when when the hab score a goal which means uh, well it's and the goal is the technical translation but it's, it's the french version of he shoots he scores gotcha is there anything else that you want to say you want to send a little message to your boys uh, to my boys yeah yeah you know what um i'm i'm doing what i can to try and make sure that we we leave you something half decent here on this planet i i would argue that you're doing more than that my friend thanks who's going to win the, the next stanley cup between the leafs and the habs Wow, that you're really putting me on the spot. Oh, um, I know, because it, you have to say the leaves. You know what? I oh, do have say to say it. Oh, man, this pains me so much. <laughs> I have to say, I have to say the leaves. That was my conversation with Mr. Mark Shabbat. If you want to get in contact with Mark, go to www.markshabbat.ca. That's Mark with a K, C H A B O T dot C A. And I'm sure Shay or Kathy will be happy to help you. And maybe you'll talk to Mr. Shabbat himself. This episode was recorded and edited by yours truly. And music, as always, was provided by Johnny of Wolf Saga. You can subscribe to 2084 on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do us a favor and leave us a review while you're there. We're really trying to get a lot of reviews uh, on the podcast. So please leave us a review. Big thank you to our patrons. You're the best. Sylvie. Again, welcome to Joe's Nation. I'm going to be in New York City the week of American Thanksgiving. So if you know a good conversation that we should have in New York City, please let me know. If you have any questions, any comments, if you want to suggest future episodes, you can get in contact with Sustainable Joe's at Sustainable Joe's. That's Joe's with an S because whether you are a Joseph or Joanne together, my friends, we are a group of Joe's. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the conversation about building a better tomorrow. We will be back with a new episode next week as always. And for now, I leave you with a track from Wolf Saga. Thanks, Johnny. And go Leafs go. That's about as raw, raw sports as I will ever get.
Good night. 